time to take care of those have done every single day. Turn to Acts 24. I love Paul. He's one of my favorite people in all of Scripture. Well, look there in Acts 24. I'm just going to read it, and then we'll just kind of move on with the, uh, the topic of the day. All right? Acts 24, and I'll read it. I'm reading from the NASB, so my version won't read as uh, uh, some of the NIV Bibles will, but there's a word that's in there that's going to be crucial and critical, right? Verse 16 says, In view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience before both God and before men. The NIV throws another word in there. What word is it? Without or void of offenses. I think they have any offenses. Maybe it's King James. Maybe it's King James that throws the word offense in there. But without offense. So here's Paul. And he's saying his goal is to always, without offense, have a conscience, without offense, both before God and before men. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Offenses. They are small. Before I forget, I have a tradition I do every Sunday morning. I certainly don't want to break the habit. I'm prepared. I got my preparation back from from the Boy Scouts. Offenses. No show of hands, though I know they all go up. How many are harboring offense here this morning? How many have something that somebody did or didn't do or said or didn't say, and it's just gotten into your heart and it's festering? It's festering and it's going to come out everywhere. You know, it's going to come out during dinner time. It's going to come out during, you know, all your conversations. And we're going to be reminded about that offense, right? That's what we're talking about this morning. But Paul says, in view of in view of his defense before Felix, he's saying, but in view of this, I also do my best to maintain this conscience without offense. How do you suppose he did it? Let that sink in. Because that's your homework. Is I want you to make it your goal to have no offense. Before God and before men. That's the spouse sitting next to you, the brother sitting in front of you, right? The friend that's in nursery. That's everyone. We're going to have to really grapple with this because offenses are like the number one go to tool for Satan. That is a trick in his bag that works every time. Fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. You know what I mean? Shame on me, fool me twice, shame on me. But you're going to be fooled every time when it comes to offenses. He can pull that out of his bag anytime he wants to. Because it can be small or it can be big. An offense can be the size of my sock laying on the floor. Exactly. It's pretty small. You know? Why would my wife get offended by a sock on the floor? You know what I mean? That's pretty silly. Yeah, but you guys get offended by some little stuff too, don't you? You know what I mean? Like when she's grinding your teeth at night. As you're driving your kids, kids keeps you up, or when you're snoring, like I am, in the middle of the night. I'm that guy that opens and closes doors. Yep. There's other little things that get to us too, right? We'll get to it. We'll get there. So what is an offense? I like this uh, wordplay, offense to a fence. What do you use a fence for? Why do you have a fence in your backyard? Well, it's meant to isolate your little part of your property from everything that's outside of it. You don't want critters getting in. You don't want bears and various things trying to find their way into your yard to fence it off. You don't want people traipsing through it. You know what I mean? So you want to isolate your, your property, right? Also to protect. I like having a fenced in yard because I know the boys are contained to a point. You know, it's a pretty good climber. So that's going to be quite a fence that's going to have to hold them off. You know what I mean? You don't have to have the scarecrows out there or something. Um, but it's to protect. So anything that's in the back there is not protected by the fence, right? It's also meant to divide. This is mine. That is yours. The fence divides the two, right? Offenses do that as well. Except they don't protect. But they do all of those other things. They isolate you, and they're going to divide you, those offenses. Spiritually, the scriptures actually say, you look in Luke chapter 17, starting with verse uh, 1, Jesus said this to his disciples, It is inevitable 
that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him for whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, than that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day, or turns to you seven times, saying, I repent, forgive him. Forgive him. When you look at the word here, there's a couple different words, but one that's used here is where we get our word scandal from. It's like it's like causing someone shame or sin. It's, it's causing them to sin. You offer an offense to somebody, that's causing them to sin. You now fall into this category. Jesus says it's better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and be thrown into the sea than for you to cause that in someone. If you know something bothers somebody, if you know that, like, if I know that putting that sock down, every morning I get up to go to work and I go to work pretty early. One thing I try to always do is to make sure that I've done something to pick up the house because I know come 8 o'clock in the morning, Sarah's going to wake up, she's going to have two toddlers waiting for her, and life will start pretty quick. She will literally hit the ground running. Okay? And the last thing I want is for her to have to walk the house picking up stuff, the least of which is my left sock, where the right one is, who knows? You know? But the left sock is right there, you know? And she's got to pick that up. And I don't want her to do that every morning. You know what I mean? Mostly because I don't want to hear about it every afternoon. Picking up on the left sock. You know what I mean? But I don't want to do that. I don't want to cause her to now start her day frustrated. That's going to go to the kids. That's going to infiltrate every part of her day. All because I left my left sock laying on the floor. And what's worse, and she knows this, is I walk past that left sock at least half a dozen times. Getting ready. You know? It's on the left sock. I got to brush my teeth. Better get my lunch. And then now I'm going to leave. And so out the door I go. I could have took 15 seconds to pick up the sock, drop it in the hamper, and make her life easy. Better for me if I have a millstone hung around my neck and my life end than I do something like that. So spiritually speaking, they're stumbling blocks. They're traps. The devil uses them, and he will goad you, and he will goad you. And they're, they're bad habits that we all have, but he uses them as traps. Um, to, to sin, to, to cause you to sin, because this, again, is his main tactic. He wants you to sin, and he wants you to feel scandalous. He wants you to feel shame, so that you're distancing yourself and isolating yourself from the Savior who gave you freedom, from the Savior who offered you freedom and rescued you. So he knows that number one tool is that he's getting there and do all this damage inside of you that you'll actually separate yourself. How can I come to the cross if I've done this thing? You've all said it. We've all said it in Bible studies. You know, I'm the worst sinner. And there's somebody sitting next to you that says, how can you be the worst sinner if I'm the worst sinner? I've done far worse than you. And we have a hard time approaching the altar, which is always open. Nobody up here behind a pulpit controls the altar. That's always open. Thank you, Jesus, for ripping that curtain in half, giving us access to be right with the Father. See, he chose to do that. All right? So, how is an offense built? Some of them are really quick. Most of them happen over time. You just to build a fence. A fence plate. Get your four by four ready and cross beams good to go. And there's your fence. There's your one <laughs> fence right there. One plate. The Bible in Luke chapter 6 and a couple of the Gospels talks about. Um, when a brother comes and says, how can you talk about the speck in my eye when you've got a plank sitting in yours? So I'm worried about the speck that's in your eye, and i got a plank in mine. You know what's funny about planks is, well, figuratively speaking, I think they're made up of a bunch of little specks. They're made up of a bunch of little things that you let fester. See, what if Sarah doesn't come to me and say, my God, I would have let your left sock being on the floor. What if she never comes to me and says that? What if the offense that you carry, you've never actually talked about? All you've done is gotten angry. You haven't had a conversation that says, listen, about the left sock, about the other thing, here's why it bugs me. I need you to know that it bugs me. It causes me such great frustration. Right, wrong, or indifferent, if it does or it doesn't, is irrelevant. Because you can stop it. Now, I love Sarah. She's my wife. 
I, I pursued her for a great long time. And we'll get into that later on in the sermon. I pursued her for a great long time, you know. But all of a sudden, we're married now. And some time has elapsed, you know. And suddenly I don't care as much about making her happy. Like, oh, she'll get there. That, you know, I, I work and she take care of the house and she'll, she'll grab that. That's pretty offensive of me to even think something like that. Or if you just dismiss somebody's offense, if you dismiss whatever it is that's bothering them, that's pretty rude if you do something like that. You know? I wouldn't like it if she did it to me. You know? And yet, before we were married, and was the pursuit, there wasn't nothing I would do. I'd pick up Mike's left sock if it made her happy. I'd go through cleaning up his house. You know? Because I want her to look at me and think, ah, oh, see, that's what I'm talking about. Maybe I picked up his left sock. Get excited. You know what I mean? That'll be in the vows. Always be the vows. You know? But it's amazing when you think about that because how, how long does it take for one little offense to become an entire plan? To become something that blinds you so much in one eye, and yet you're still worried about the other person's little thing. You know? So I'm going to go quick. Let you be at a park somewhere and walk in through. Let somebody throw out an obscenity kids are right there. You're offended. I know I am. In that one moment, you deserve it. Don't leave that language when my kids are here. Look at the park. You know, there's other places you can go to do that if you need to do that. But please don't leave that language on my children. Alright? That's a very quick offense. You know? But most of them are built and they're prepared inside your heart. The Bible has a lot to say about your heart. So you guard your heart first, the wellspring of life, right? tells you to guard it, you know, for an important reason. Because once something gets into your heart, it now can affect every part of who you are. It can affect your personality, it can affect your relationships, it can affect everything about you once it gets in there. That's why you're meant to guard it. These offenses, that's where they get. They get into your ear, you process them, they've gotten down into your heart. Now it comes out at every conversation. Every time you have a disagreement, you know what I mean? You're having that argument with your husband or your wife or your friend, and you're recalling all these things. We're not supposed to build cases, right? Love keeps no record of wrongs, and yet we keep them back. We have it just in case. And we'll say, well, no, I don't have it. Well, let the argument happen. Oh, wait one second. January 15th. <laughs> Two years ago, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, the Titans were playing. And you... We had this whole thing, like, we just remember the whole day like it was yesterday. You know what I'm saying? How many of us have ever done something like that? Where we always recall that thing that holds back against us. And I'm telling you what, we could paint like a vivid picture. You were in the polka dot dress, you remember? Chili was for dinner, right? And you forgot to put oil in the car. You forgot to put oil in the car, I told you to put oil in the car, you put oil in the car, and you died. It's not my problem, you know what I mean? Now you're having a big fight, she firing back at you. You know, with her thing that she's got going on, it's the same thing painting that picture. It's amazing how our memory is, you know? So I caution you, when you go to your Bible studies, and you listen to sermons, you take all your little notes, and you sing all your worship songs. It's all great, you know what I mean? But one day, one day you'll be tested. I've said it a million times. You will be tested what you profess to know and understand. I had a regional director, one of the restaurants I worked at, and I want this to sink in, okay? You know, put together a little plan. Yeah, okay. At the end of this sermon, I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with the Lord. I'm gonna rid, rid myself of these offenses. And I'm gonna keep myself distant from it, just like Paul, right? I'm gonna do everything I can. But he said this to me. He said, Mike, you know, uh, a plan is only as good as its execution. Make all the plans you want. You make them good. You make them good. And you'll get no result. You will spin your wheels. You will do the same stuff that you always do. A plan is only as good as its execution. And sometimes the executing of the plan is simply rendering yourself humbly before Christ to let him do the work. Take yourself out of the picture, even though it's your heart that's involved. But that can be the hardest thing to do of all. You can come to the altar and lay it down, but you're going to pick it back up with you when you go. Right? How have we done that? We try to lay the offense down. We try to lay down the issue. And we pray and we make it right with the Lord. And as soon as we get up after amen, 
We make sure we grab it just in case. Because we might need that later. So it's got to stay here. It's got to stay here so it can be covered by that blood. You know what I mean? It's got to stay here. It's funny. After that guy in the park says that foul language, you go home and you kind of forget about it. You dealt with it. You handled it. Whatever. You spoke to the fella. You left. But there was some good blood in you. When it comes to our close relationships, though, that very good friend, that best friend, you know, that spouse, that sister, that brother, somebody's close to you, that's where the wounds tend to stick. You know what I mean? There's no one that can hurt you more than someone that you, that you love. There's no one that, that, that because you've given your heart to them. There's a part of you that, that, that's now in them and a part of them that's in you. You share life with them. So there's no one that's going to hurt you more or have the greatest potential than someone that you're close to. Those intimate relationships. You think you're safe in them, and you should be safe in them. But you're open to that. And it's, again, because of how the devil affects your heart. It's how he gets it that affects your heart. Do you understand? If I was to say to you that Jesus has a great potential to offend you, probably everybody in the room would disagree with you. Because they think it's about Jesus. But really, the offense is about you. The offense is about you. So you're close to Jesus, and you give your heart to him, and you follow him, and you read the scriptures, and all of that. He's not going to offend you, but you will take offense. Let him not answer a prayer. Let you approach the throne, truly needing something, and it being real, it's legit. Somebody needs to be healed, or, you know, I've lost my son, and I can't find him for 20 minutes, and I'm praying, Jesus, where's my child? I need to find him. Let me not find my child. That's got nothing to do with Jesus. That offense has everything to do with me. Everything to do with me. Because he died on the cross to set free of all those offenses. He died on the cross to make his end good. You gotta, you gotta remember that and get that in. The offense is not about them, it's about you. Because the Bible also says, it's not a question of if they will come, but when. It's not a question of if the offenses will come, but when they will come. And what are you gonna do with them? Was it Matthew 5? Turn to Matthew 5. Kingdom living, people. There it is. The game plan for life. Kingdom living. So Jesus says, find here. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. Whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that every everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing. You shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. Whoever says, you fool, uh, shall be guilty enough to go to the fiery hell. That's Gehenna. That's like legit. Like, you're going to be, like, your life is hell. Period. That's what I'm talking about right there. The fiery hell is Gehenna. You fool, some of the translations have the actual word, Raka, or something like that. Like, that's a really, that's like an aggressive word. If a guy named Raka came after me, I might be afraid of him in it. Because that seems pretty, like, ominous. You know what I mean? But... Uh, therefore, if you present your offering at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your offering there before the altar and go first. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. And friends, quickly with your opponent. Some versions, they use the word adversary. Okay? Um, I used to think that that was different people, but that might be the same person. Your brother could become your adversary, I suppose. You know, but suddenly your brother is your adversary. But here Jesus is saying, my friends, quickly with your opponent uh, while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge. Okay? So we know that the offenses are going to come. Jesus makes it clear that they're going to come, but what are you going to do with them? We harbor them very easily because they're weapons that we can use against other people. But what should you do with them? Well, that's the hard part. You got to remember the devil's goal, and it always has been. The scriptures say that he comes uh, like a lion looking for someone to devour. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you and your relationships. Your goal, his goal, 
is to completely destroy you. You know, he uses uh, offenses to get it done. And division is kind of like what falls in the middle. He knows that if he can get you to be offended, you're going to pour yourself away. I've seen it in this church. I've seen people come and go. I myself don't like to go on Facebook anymore, but kind of like watching the news. All that's ever on there anymore is bad stuff. You know, and some people post good stuff, and I'll find funny memes and whatnot, but it's kind of like watching the news. It's like one bad thing after another. But I've heard some, some stories of people that even left Caroline. And they have this, this egregious offense, and yet they don't want to make it right. They don't want to reconcile. They don't want to do anything but harbor this offense. And I think to myself, I think to myself, I want to say rocket to them. You know? But I know I'm not supposed to because I don't want to do it again. Hannah. I gotta keep my, my words tangled, you know, but, but it happens. It's happening in this room. It happens in my own marriage. I know it happens in some of y'all's, you know. I know that when you're close to people, it happens. It's gonna happen to the newlyweds, you know. Because right now your life is great. You're still in a pursuit mode, or you just got married, and everything's great. It's wonderful. The left side hadn't been experienced before just yet. You're still in that phase of early marriage where you're still putting on the dog and pony. You know what I mean? Like your hair is still put together, you still got that makeup on when you sleep. <laughs> but what happens if in the morning something happens when you wake up and you gotta look over? You don't look good. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you, don't, you don't want that hat hair or that bed head. But I get that like, who remembers the show Funky Brewster? Like forever ago. <laughs> I got a cowlick like Funky Brewster. It likes to show itself, and it will. Noah has. Have you ever seen my little one walking around here? You have the same problem. He waits over for Gavin's walking around and they poof. It's over here like a, like a, like a, a satellite dish. Just like looking around. You know what I mean? He got it for me. You know what I mean? But we can't have that, not in early marriage. You gotta have some time to lapse, you know what I'm talking about? And it starts out when you're in the bathroom, the door's closed, it's locked, you're running the water in the shower. Everything's going on because they're, all that you're doing in there is running water. Nothing else. That's a time lapse, that door's still wide open. You're having a conversation about where you're going later that night. You know what I mean? You're multitasking like nobody's business. But uh, for those newlyweds that are out there, and for Ryan and Aisha, have graciously uh, offered and uh, accepted you know, to help me out with uh, with the illustration as we go through it. But um, but their marriage is going to be it's going to have those times along the way where those offenses are going to come. And I want for you as I pray for you guys. I pray for Rose and Diego and their weddings coming up. Um, I pray that you guys are able to get this down into your spirit so that you can take those of us that have been married, you know, along different stages of marriage, some 20 years, some 30 years, you know, Sarah and I far less, you know. But <clears throat> we're, we're at the, the beginning stages of that marriage. We learned this. Because your marriage can be so much more rich in your relationship. Because new friendships are going are gonna to be birthed too. You guys grow up as when you get older you're gonna have your best buds you can get from those things it's gonna benefit you to learn how to deal with offenses and it's not some theological great thing it's not some you know Billy Graham crusade kind of situation where he lays out some amazing theological truth it really is it's just about you not being so thick and it's not about you not being so stubborn that's a gifting of mine I'm stubborn like Joe you know I get stubborn, I can walk through a wall leaving by my head. You know what I mean? There's no, no walls can stop me or anything. I am I'm stubborn. I got it from my dad. He's the king of stubborn. You know, pass that torch off to me. And you know, you know, it's not at it sometimes. You know, two juggernauts. I'm sure it was kind of a little watch, but but I want that for you. I really do. I want that for those marriages. So my marriage. An illustration. I remember when I was chasing Sarah, I was in pursuit of her. Everywhere I went, I saw two things. Her gold Ford Ranger, and a sign from the Lord that we're supposed to get married. <laughs> oh, yeah. And a day went by. Both of Brian remembers this, and then Diego had pursuit, you know? All the hoops she had to jump through. You know what I mean? It was like Halloween, you know? We wanted to get the candy. What do I gotta do to get the candy? I can wear that. You know what I mean? And so you put on the Halloween costume. Those of us that were before Christ, we did Halloween trick or treating. That's okay. You know, there's grace for that. You know? But that's what you wanted to do as a kid when you're out trick or treating. You know? 
And so during my pursuit, I tell you, I, I, every light was a Ford Ranger, you know? And I, and I looked everywhere. I went to a blockbuster. You guys remember those? They're no longer around anymore. There's only one in like, you know, Ashburn, Washington or something. There's only one blockbuster left. But a blockbuster, I remember going to a blockbuster, uh, like South Airways, and uh, the guy's name that ran the store was Jeff Holland. Oh, I kept that thing for a long time. That was my Virgin Mary Grilled Cheese Sandwich. I'm telling you what. That was, that was my deal. How do you know, Mike? Well, come on, man. What are the odds I happen to be in that store with that fella? You know what I mean? And our marriage, our wedding would be the Jeff Holland wedding. You know what I'm talking about? Like, come on. But that was the supreme. I had that baby in a locked case. It was in the bank. I mean, it was fairly protected. I mean, I'm telling you what. Everywhere I went, there wasn't anything that like there wasn't anything that she could do to bug me. I asked Brian and Aisha this uh, last night. Good for you, you know, if it happens. But for most people, I would say that in the pursuit of that person that you love and care about, there's not a whole lot, if anything, they're going to be able to do to offend you. So roll off your back like whatever. You know what I mean? You want to talk to people about it, okay? Because they have to be perfect. They have to be, have to be perfect. So you can talk all the good things about them. All the good things about them. And you get into your marriage, and all of a sudden it changes. You know, the picture changes. You know, and I guess I'll take trash out again. I'm the only one that takes trash out. You know, she'll pick up the pile of laundry because she's the only one. You know what I mean? I guess I'll just be the one to pick it up. Don't worry about it, guys. I got the laundry. You know, no one else around this house does anything. I have to kill all the bugs. We had a nasty one in the house last night. It was the most ominous, I mean, the most, like, you know, benevolent bug ever. It was just a huge moth. Probably like moth rough. Like, it was a huge moth. Like, the thing was like, look like an airplane sitting on the ceiling of our house. Has anybody ever seen the movie Great Outdoors? Oh, yeah. That was our house last night. I swung at it and missed, it came right at me. <laughs> I ducked my head, it hits the ceiling, winds up in her hair. The kids scattered, the kids scattered, it was amazing. It was, it was so funny. It really was. But I'm the guy, I am the one that killed the bug. I'm, I'm the skilled marksman that killed these bugs. Mike, there's a bug in the kitchen. Give them the kids and give them a shoot. I don't know, like, I don't like bugs either. I don't like spiders crawling around, kitty crawlies. You know, but I gotta be the guy. But I'm telling you, if you'd have been there to watch that uh, unfold in our house for about 20 minutes, it was something comical. Oh, mind you, he's not dead. He's somewhere in the house. <laughs> I wounded him a couple of times. Part of it was on a wall. I didn't know a little bit, but he he went down to one engine and kept going. He's somewhere in the house. The boys are commiserating. Noah woke up this morning was like, "Dad, the mosquito is over in the kitchen." <laughs> You know, it's like, well, okay. You know, and I went looking him, and I wouldn't find him. So, but he's still in the house somewhere. But we can feel like that. We're the only one that does whatever it is in our house. And we do those events. Brian, you should come on up here and help me out, because as we, as we kind of tie this in. Here's why it's important to deal with these offenses. Here's why it's important to make sure that you're not just letting things go. One, you know, one side, one, you know, that's my garden again, by the way. My ghetto garden. <laughs> Got color in the middle. Yeah. It's uh, it's current, festive. You know, it's on a pumpkin. It's a Christmas tree. You know what I'm saying? And so, here's here's Brian. I used to, you guys have been married what? Five weeks. Brian's like five weeks, four days, eleven minutes. <laughs> Twelve seconds, bud. All right. Here's Brian. Hold that. Brian's family has a uh, an interesting tradition. And yeah, you know, traditions can, can cause offenses too. But every Thanksgiving, Brian, what does your family do? They haven't done it the last couple of years in Malaria now, right? Stop. <laughs> we have pie breakfast. I've been to pie breakfast a few times. Pie breakfast is amazing too. It sounds like pie in the morning for breakfast. All kinds. Of, huh? well, with coffee, but you don't care about that. I bring my own energy. It's fine. Pie breakfast, right? Well, let's say, I don't know, Aisha. I mean, I know her. She's been going to church for a great time. But maybe she's like pie. What? Maybe she's like pie. Maybe she's not a fan of pie at all. Or right? pie. She's going like pie. 
So she doesn't go to pie breakfast. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't go to pie breakfast. She's like, no, 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 we're gonna do our own thing. Forget pie breakfast. So she's gonna go over here and she's gonna give Brian a fence. Uh, uh, Brian's got. Uh, Brian's got. He's terribly unhappy. Pie breakfast has been his whole life. What do you mean pie breakfast? You better start working on pie. You know, put some tofu in it or whatever. <laughs> All right. Now, maybe Aisha. All right. Maybe Aisha's a little bit like Sarah. I'm not the world's greatest mechanic. I'm trying because I'm not tired of paying high repair bills. I can remember paying for a guy to uh, change an engine off my car. I couldn't break it loose to save my life. I would break tools. I literally have broken tools. I was my witness. Changing brakes and doing other stuff. I had broken tools before I had broken out, you know, nuts and whatnot. And so, but I, I called this guy. I was like, I'm not going to wait I can't get this engine die out. Can you come help me? 80 bucks, Mike. Guy walks up with a floor jack, stuck under my engine, a half inch off the floor to release the pressure, pop the engine out right off. 15 minutes later, he got 80 bucks. See you. I said to myself, yeah, that's not happening again. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to learn. But I'm not a great mechanic, alright? So maybe in Aisha's house, her dad was a great mechanic. I know Sarah's dad and her uncle A.W. are mechanics, they fix the car. We didn't have to spend money, right? I have to spend money for somebody else to do it. So Aisha's thinking, well, I'm going to get married, and my husband will be just like my dad will fix the car. So don't have to worry about spending all that money. You know? But Brian doesn't know mechanics, he's like me. So Brian's going to spend that money. He's like, we need to spend money. It's just an engine. It's just, a, it's just an engine. It's just an engine mount, Brian. And I watched the guy do it in 15 minutes. He <laughs> spent 80 bucks, right? Or Mike. Then spent 80, 80 bucks on that, right? So now the offense, now she has an offense, and Brian gave her an offense. And so we're going to start to kind of do it. Yeah, there you go. Brian's got some more offenses over here. <laughs> Five weeks into that marriage. So here's Brian, you know, go to work. Working hard every day, you know. Let's get the fact over here. You don't care, appreciate me. You can't appreciate me. Are you stupid? Okay. Fine. <laughs> so what, Brian? You don't like my barley squares? Why not like your pie? Why not eat your chocolate pie, Brian? Or your lemon meringue? Oh. Yeah. Here we go. And Mike. Why are we always at the church, Mike? How come we came to the church on time to save our life? Even when you're preaching, Mike. I bathed the baby. I, I changed the baby and got the babies dressed. I took care of it. I fed them. Yeah, Mike, why are we late? All you gotta do is get yourself ready. Does the hot shower have to last an hour? So my shower lasts to cold? Yeah, no, that's, that's dumb. You know? Mike, why don't you go this route to where we're going? Brian? I, I would take the greenway, Brian. Okay. Well, that's my fence. Now shove it down here. Here we go, dude. Do it like this. Aisha? And that fence. Aisha, why didn't you tear my tree apart? Are you okay? Here we go, Brian. Mind you, if you ever watch a YouTube video on how to change brakes, this is pretty much how it's like. <laughs> when the guy says, yeah, let's pop it off real quick. Yeah, there's usually no, uh, no tension or anything like that. Let's pop it off real quick, so that's what we'll do. Mine never pops off. Nope, what pops off is the handle of the wrench I'm using. It was a craftsman too. Yeah. So, we're just keep building our fence here. This is not really, I didn't really think this through. Brian, got that plant? Over here, nursing that goose egg that I just gave her. And over here's Brian, 
He's also in there sending a text because they gave his wife a goose egg. Hi-ho, neighbor. For Christmas, I'll be afraid to open up the present. I'll be listening for ticking and other stuff like that. But this is why. This is exactly how Brian's standing. Here's Aisha behind her garden. And there's Brian. All because she doesn't like pie. All because he doesn't know mechanics. Or excuse him for a living. You know, but the graveyard was full, right? You know, so this happens to us. Right? I get over here and, you know, it's, it's just a mountain view. I like to do that. I like to go home from work and stop sometimes and I'll grab, like, a quick bite to eat on the way home. I'm hungry, I work a long day. When I get home, I don't eat dinner. That's a meal. I'll eat it tomorrow. I'll eat it tomorrow. Yeah, I guess what I need to build. I'll build a rickety fence right here. It wouldn't, stand, it wouldn't stand up to somebody blowing on it, much like a hurricane. You know? But then there's, you know, me going to work, and I'm working hard, and you know, I get home from my hard day, and Not true, she cares. But for the purpose of the illustration, this is what happens when we don't deal with offenses. Do you know what I say? What did I say in the very beginning? What do I like in football? Was somebody listening? Somebody took some notes. Somebody took some notes. She's got a Bible over there, I'm pretty sure. I like doing defense, right? So now we're in defense. So that's what I like. The good goal line stand. I'm going to pull it down. Why? Because it's just pie, Brian. Go there. It's just pie. Eat all pie you want. She'll be there. But she ain't pie. Alright? She don't care. Aisha, you didn't marry a mechanic. You marry an engineer. Deal with it. You want someone to fix your car? Find a grease monkey. Marry him. <laughs> Pretty sure you made the choice. You know? You made the choice. You had a choice in the matter, right? All of you guys had a choice in the matter. You chose the spouse. You chose the best friend. I love you guys. What a great marriage. Guys, if you have any to you guys, just give me a call, okay? But you know, we can say it all day long about taking our fences down and just letting it go. It's not going to be that easy, right? You know? But I know, I know a guy had every reason to be offended. I mean, legitimately be offended. I've been on a daily basis, you know? And he made a way, he somehow made a way to give away that offense. He somehow managed to offer forgiveness and forgive me 70 times seven, you know, as he told Peter, you know? But there's a guy that if you would just let this be what you see. You got arms over here. I'm over here. Railway spike going right through the wrist. Right through here. Okay? Who cares about pie? Who cares that I don't know how to change or break through my car? Is it really that important? Because every bit of your anger, every bit of your holding the fence, causing the trap of a stumbling block, I know a guy who suffered this. He suffered this because your sin was driving you straight to hell. And it still is. And that's not cool. And I love you too much. And he loves you more. He loves you because he went here. So I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop uh, going for that bite to eat. I'm going to pick up my left sock and I'm going to find the right one.
bro. Teens are out there. I'm a young person. I know what I'm doing. I'm 16. I have the world figured out. You know? 16 year olds, they got moles older than me. That's still causing problems.
you know, commend you for working hard. It's foolish. You know, all of it, meaningless, foolish. I promise you it is. If you name me one other person, one other God, any religion that, that chose to go up on a cross, <clears throat> knowing that you hated me, you know, and took the leaves, destroy your garden. We destroyed your garden. Adam and Eve did. <coughs> you know. So I'm going to end right there. I'm going to pray for us right now. But I want you to think about that offense. In the greatest scheme of things in your life, that might be important. What's your life? Little blip. I'm <coughs> 35 years old. 35 years ago, I was being bored and Cabbage Patch Kids were popular. Who has a Cabbage Patch Kid today? Do you really? Not so popular today. No. So that can happen in 35 years. That can happen in 70 years. That can happen in 100 years. Since you live to be that long, I don't mm-hmm. want to live to be that long. Borrowed time for me. 80. <laughs> well, if I can't get up to 80, it's not happening. <laughs> you know. But um, I'll pray for us. I can't remember the day I got saved. Not like Cole. Cole was in July something, 1971 or 1971, was it? July 9th, 1970. July 9th, 1970. 11 o'clock, 3 p.m. He did what he was 80%. You know, whatever it was. Cole was language yesterday. I love that about Cole. You know? I love that about him. He remembers the exact day. You know? But remember Jesus when you first met him and what he did for you and how he rescued you. How he pulled you out. I'm going to put you up on this rock. And I'm going to make your life be so meaningful because of me. It's meaningful. Right now it's without meaning, but now it's going to be meaningful. You're going to do great things in my kingdom. I love you. And I'm not going to let sin separate you from my Father. Remember that first day, those first moments. And I spent all of of yesterday and the day before and last night just remembering that. I'm so far from it. I really have. I've drifted. I have my, my time with the Lord every day. And I walk with Him. But somehow I forgot that in Revelation, remember, He said to one of the churches, He said, Remember your first love. You really do the things you did at first. Gotta get back to the basics, people. Long before offenses were there. And don't let them use that tool to be a part. Don't. Father, I love you. I thank you that you took it all the way that you had to. You took the fight. You went 99 yards all the way to the cross. At the end of it, you said it's finished. It's over. We no longer have to struggle and toil in this life. You have offered us the freedom that we can walk in. You offered us that way to heaven only way to heaven is through you. And I ask God that 
you would speak to each person here tonight, anyone who's harboring an offense, would make that right today. They would let that a moment pass without making it right with their brother. If it's an adversary, if it's a foe, I pray, God, that you would even help them to make it right with that adversary. God, we want to be right before you. We want to remember, just like that first day, and how much joy we experienced. Unspeakable joy. For so many of us, we drifted. Time has gotten in here. And the devil has just chipped. He's chipped. He's chipped. Our armor is weak. He's got holes. Would you mend those holes, God? Give us greater faith. Just like in Luke, when those apostles had said, those 12, you give us greater faith. You give us the faith that we need. Give faith to what we need to do, God. To know that you're going to come through and you're going to mend hearts. You're going to fix all of these things, God. But you're going to do it in your sovereignty, and you're going to do it in, in accordance with your plan, God. It doesn't always include what we have planned. So we're going to lay those plans down. All those unmet needs and all those expectations, we're just going to lay them down. And we're just going to follow after you. Whatever you have for us, you'll call us to it, and you'll anoint us for it. You will equip us, and you will even go as far as to work with us and fight battles before us, God to make sure that we are victorious. I pray victory over every relationship in this church. I pray for victory for all the relationships that are outside of the church. I ask God that you would speak to these people so tenderly that when that offense is going to be picked up, you help them grab their hand and help them to drop it.